you seek the key. But first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Live from the Nasdaq market side overlooking New York City's Times Square, this is Fast Money. I'm Melissa Lee. Tonight's trader lineup, Karen Feinerman, Steve Grosso, Tim Seymour, and Delano Sephora. Tonight on Fast, retail in rally mode. The chart master is laying out the case for three stocks, he says, are ready to break out to new records. We'll tell you what they are. Plus, we have liftoff. Shares of Virgin Galactic posting their best day on record as the company gets ready to send passengers into space. Is it too late to play this rally? And we're counting down to the end of the quarter, so... What should be doing uh, with the Q2's winners and losers? We'll find out in your round of your favorite game, Traded or Faded. But we start off with the Nike halo effect. That company's monster earnings report helping lift shares of other consumer stocks today. Take a look at the moves in names like CarMax, Darden, Gap, Under Armour, all seeing outsized gains. This even as the latest data showed personal spending and consumer sentiment may be stalling. So what gives? Should we be concerned that the consumer is weakening or do we take it on Nike's word that they're strong. Karen, what do you say? Well, I had thought the Nike numbers were very impressive, right, on so many fronts. To me, it was more in, it was more Nike. I felt like it was more idiosyncratic to them. Also on the heels of their last earnings, or maybe two even, were a tad disappointing, and now they really seem to get the mojo back, and, you know, the direct-to-consumer is huge. And uh, so to me, it was a specific Nike story that's great for their customer. I don't know what we can extrapolate to other customers or where they're taking share, right? Right, right, right. Or what they're doing. Yeah. If they're selling direct, what right. does that do what to about the... Foot Locker? Exactly. And, yeah. Or the other uh, stores that handle their goods. I think, I think it is a big part of the direct-to-consumer. Margins are going to be uh, increasing from here. But whenever we talk about Nike, it's either China or the U.S. or North America. Now it's North America. But when China comes back on or when international comes back on, they're opening behind us. So I think it's a further tailwind for Nike and all of retail, quite frankly. Yeah. Delano, what's your take on Nike? Yeah, Melissa, I, I certainly agree with what the other panelists had said. There was a lot of strong data from Nike this quarter. And I think one of the things that was also very interesting is that they mentioned wholesale was really strong. This is a company that wanted to slim down distributors, not only uh, not, not as far as a year ago, but that side of the business was strong, which tells me that demand is there. So if demand is there for Nike, this could obviously be a further tailwind uh, for the other retailers, but their direct-to-consumer <laughs> business is still strong. And now we have the wholesale business that was also booming. So I think this is just a really strong quarter from a stock that's been lagging year to date. Tim, I'm sure you're happy with your Nike shares uh, tonight, <laughs> but I do want to get at the question I that am. Karen brought up, and that is whether this is a specific Nike story or if we should actually be concerned for some of the other retailers. I mean, if you take a look at the spending numbers, it showed a, a slowdown, a small slowdown in, in appliances and home furnishings, things that really boomed during the pandemic. So is this a Nike-specific um, phenomenon that we're seeing, and, and maybe we should be, have a little bit more concern about some of the others? Yeah, I, I think it. I think it's more Nike, and then it's you know the halo effect. And as within their own segment, also if you think about it, Nike's exposure uh, to also also athleisure and and just the dynamics around coming out of COVID, where maybe it was about 
you know, feeling comfortable and, and, and looking athletic, um, but actually people now partake, partaking outdoors in sports. And, and, and that's really where I think the guide is coming from for, for Nike. So relative even to their peers, um, as Steve pointed out, North America, 32 percent comps, uh, up 21 percent sequentially from the third quarter overall um, and, and global inventory that's been cleaned out. So, again, it, this is a not a not a channel stocking and, and it's a very, very good story. The, the closest comparison, I would say, to Nike is Lululemon. Also, I, I know, you know, I know Karen and Steve and Delana were, were looking good in their Lulus at home uh, during the covid. But they're also looking good in the gym. And, and I think they they get it both ways as well. In either case, the multiple is very, very challenging, but the innovation, the DTC, uh, the control of the brand, and in both cases, you have a gross margin improvement that, that is really a big part of the story. And, and Nike's, you know, I think you made this comment last night, I, I know Guy does, is that Nike actually got cheaper last night despite right. this, this, uh, this move in the after hours. So, Karen, if this is a Nike-specific story, then, then which retailers might you be concerned about? Which retailers might not see that sort of benefit at this point in where we are with the pandemic? I come back again to department stores as being challenged. You don't think of them as a place to buy sneakers, but, you know, the, the consumer's pocketbook isn't infinite, right? To the extent they're spending money on Nike, it's coming from somewhere. I agree with Tim's take. Lulu would be the most similar. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're taking share there. But I, it's, right. I think the shoe space also, we saw GOAT today, right? right? They raised a ton of money. The shoe space is on fire. So maybe, maybe Foot Locker is still fine, but I don't own it anymore. It's been that fear of Nike taking away their business, their wholesale business, that's made me sort of want to stay away from Foot Locker. Although it was up today, which, was, it was. which I thought was interesting because yes. I thought that it would, it would trade lower on those DTC numbers last night. And, and look at uh, Capri Holdings. So I've been in this one for a while. But to Tim's point, people are coming out of their house. So this is Michael Kors, Versace, Jimmy Choo. No one had any reason to be buying or wearing Jimmy Choo's over the last year. Now they do. Don't put that on me. I see you're thinking about something right now. <laughs> it's, you know, wow. very insightful, Grasso. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, but you have to wonder also, I mean, for the consumer during the pandemic, a lot was done online. And maybe the consumer has gotten more used to the idea of going straight to the brand as opposed to going to a Macy's or a, an aggregator of sorts, the department store, um, Tim. So would you be concerned about, let's say, your Macy's? Well, uh, so my Macy's is somebody else's Macy's right now. So uh, I don't own it anymore. Does although Macy I've been, know that? I've been looking at <laughs> Yeah, well, look, you know, don't don't tell her. I, I think the, the look the story for the department stores and is been one of digital growth and the marginal dollar and the forty eight percent of of new money spent on in Macy's was online in in their last couple quarters. So I think they're doing a great job of converting. I think they're doing a better job of improving the balance sheet and restructuring on the fly because they were forced to do it. But I, I think that. The, the greater test of that, to me, goes back to a Walmart, which is a stock I, I've been very clear on bullish on as well. I do think the e-commerce trends continue. I do think what worked during COVID is is something that consumers are that much more comfortable. And you can make an argument that broader U.S. retail sales adjusted are about 20 percent only in e-commerce. I, I, I think Walmart is going to be a place where you can go buy those Nikes, too. And I, I just think this is a case where um, there are a handful of winners that we saw in COVID, um, but you know, brands have power. Brands have pricing power. And then there are the mediums from which we can actually be uh, broadening our ability to go out and get these brands. And it's not just Amazon. It could be Walmart. Yeah. Delano, you like Gap? 
Yeah, yeah. Melissa, this is a play that's been you know performing really well. And one of the reasons why I think I like Gap is a lot of the investors has rushed in when the announcement that we saw the Yeezy and Gap partnership. And I think that run has still been going strong. And I think a lot of it is, is branding has been mentioned. A lot of it's the direct-to-consumer strategy that we've talked about. They've done really, really well on that. The Athleta brand is still performing really well. And they've got a lot of great spots on that side. So I think you have to be careful at these levels. It's run up so much that I think you don't need to chase it. Uh, but if for a long-term investor, if you're looking for spots to, to jump in, I think you wait for a pullback, and Gap is still a good play long-term. All right. Well, the chart master has brought along some names he says are ready to break out to new highs. So let's bring in Cornerstone Macros, Carter Braxton, worth to lay it out. Carter, what are you looking at? Well, a lot of good action, as you all discussed, in key names. And yet, of course, there's always another one that is setting up to prospectively do the same. Uh, we're going to look at the XRT first. This is the Spiders retail ETF, and it's meant to track a broad range of names, including in here Amazon and Walmart and Costco, Target, but then also smaller ones like Macy's and Kohl's, Gap, Urban. It goes on and on, 106 stocks, uh, almost $2.5 trillion. And look at it. It is sitting here, interestingly, right where it was, on the 28th of January. Here we are the 28th of June. Six months it's taken to work off the excess associated with, guess what? GameStop taking on a big weight in the index. And so the presumption is a breakout. Now with that setup, look at two stocks that are set up identically. Take a look at Urban Outfitters, a perfect example of the same thing, meaning you have a stock that's in an uptrend that then starts to have a flattening top as the tension builds and ultimately, you exceed the top, you break out. And I think Urban is setting up to do just that. 45 would be a reasonable price objective and the uh, stock close today at 41.20. Now look at um, the next one, FIVE. It's the same setup. Meaning the XRT, the index, doesn't look that way. It's the stocks that make up the index that determine what the index looks like. So five, same setup, good consolidation. Presumption is a breakout as we're seeing in so many names. And in this case, a price objective of 210, stock close at 197. And then let's look at one uh, uh, sort of a high flyer overstock. I've got two charts here. And this is a weekly chart going back to when this was uh, really basically went from nothing in 2017 to a high of essentially 95 and then plunged almost out of business, saved by COVID, if you will. But what you can see there is that we're basically plus minus. We keep trying to get above that key level of 2017. And so the final chart, uh, another way to draw the lines, basically you have converging trend lines here. You can call it a wedge, you can call it an asymmetrical triangle, doesn't matter. What it represents is a massive standoff. Now you make your bets. My bet is it breaks out to the upside. Carter, thank you. We'll see you in a few minutes on OA. Carter Braxton worth a cornerstone. Steve Grosso, you have been in overstock. I have been. And I'm not in it currently, and if you look at that chart, this is the reason why I'm not in it. It's too volatile for me. It's up, I think it's uh, 90% or whatever that number, number was. It's an atrocious number. I'd rather go with five below, only up 13% year-to-date. Maybe that one's more conservative. Take your pick, Karen. Urban, five, or Overstock? I know none of them are your and, style. And quite, the thing was Overstock, <laughs> though, I just got to ask, though, wasn't Overstock so crypto. highly coronated with crypto yeah. that that was really a, the overlay of the Very crypto? Very volatile. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So that, I got to sort of remove that. That's a separate bet. You're taking on crypto and Overstock at the same time. 
Probably urban. I think, you know, consumers flush with cash, young people are flush with cash, stimulus checks for the short term. Yeah. But it's not expensive. It's not crazy expensive at all. Tim? I, I like Dollar Tree, um, which we're going to talk about, I think, soon. But I, I but five below in that category is of the charts Carter just showed is is the most interesting to me. I'm actually worried about that XRT because I think the R and XRT has read it. And, and I still believe uh, that there's a lot of froth in that, even though he's right, uh, that that spike from Jan 20, et cetera, is something that, that clearly it's begun to work off. But I still think if you look at the trading action in that name, it's too highly correlated to names that I don't think fundamentally make yeah. sense. So, again, I, I think the five below and, and that type of trade and that segment, um, fundamentally, I think the, the valuations there are actually quite interesting for where we are in the cycle. Yeah, we've talked many times on this show about how XRT may not be the retailers that you think should be in the XRT. And they're actually smaller, more specialty names um, that do tend to, these days at least to be Reddit names. Delano, which ones do you like? Are the ones at Carter Urban, Five, Overstock? Okay. I'm liking Dollar Tree as well, but you know I think I agree with Karen on Urban Outfitters. We have people flush with cash. We still have you know the impending you know further reopening. I believe that still you know second half will be coming, and I think Urban Outfitters would be a great play for investors at this point. All right, coming up, we're just a few days away from closing the books on Q2, so we're playing your favorite game tonight with some of the biggest winners and losers this quarter. Traded or faded is up next. Plus, shares of Virgin Galactic going out of this world today. The stock posting its best day ever. We'll tell you what is behind this rocket move. Don't go anywhere. Fast Money's back in two. Hello, I'm Laura Castleton, U.S. Head of Portfolio Construction and Strategy at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of brighter futures for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. Welcome back to Fast Money. There are only a few more days left in the quarter, so we thought we'd take a look at some of the leaders and laggards in a little game of... Trade it or fade it. That's right. Your favorite game. Everybody, yours and mine. Trade it or fade it. Let's start with Ford up more than 25% so far this quarter. So, Karen, trade it or fade it? I would trade it. I'm going to sneak in a would you rather with GM. But if I could only pick one, it would be Ford. And so, you know, I love what they're doing with EV. I like the valuation. I like how they seem to have turned the business around. They've got some momentum. They've got exciting products. I like Ford. See, you told me I would get kicked if I did the... Yes. Not, I <laughs> Not never Karen. said anything about Karen. Not Karen. Karen is right. fine doing I'm it. I'm glad we cleared that would up. Would you trade it or fade it? I would, be, I would fade Ford. And, and I think that Ford has moved aw- awful quickly, awful high. It's overbought. And what's going to happen when they have to deliver these cars and the suppliers can't deliver the products, right? I ordered the, the Bronco. I was just saying that off air. They can't deliver the Bronco on time. What's going to happen with the Ford F-150 EV? So I think that we're getting a little overhyped. I would be a fader of Ford. I think it's a little past its skis right now or over its skis. Okay. Up next, Penn National down more than 27% this quarter. So Delano, trade or fade it? I would trade it, Melissa. Uh, I think Penn's done a really good job of uh, with their customer, keeping their customer acquisition costs low. And that was because they invested a lot in marketing through their bar steel um, acquisition. So, you know, you have a company that's, you know, triaging well. They're bringing people to their sportsbook retailing app. Um, and that those people are also wagering and betting on different things with their iGaming and different areas that they have there. So this is, this is a company that's obviously been one of those growth stories that didn't recover 
where all the other growth companies have. Um, and so you have an opportunity here to buy a low trading at $76 a share, way off the highs. So I think it's a great opportunity here with Penn. Tim, what do you say? Well, first of all, what I'd say is if I tried to do what Karen did and do a would you rather for, for, yep. for DraftKings here, I'd get punished. So I won't do that. Um, but I'll tell you, I, I don't, I, you know, I'm going to fade. I'm going to fade Penn. I, I, you know, they pre-announced their second quarter. They were good numbers. You know, gaming trends are better. Consumer trends are better. And this stock is suffering. I think it's going to break 76. Uh, and, and I think it's got more to go on the downside. But by mentioning that you weren't going to do a trade it or fade it and mentioning DraftKings, you effectively did one and you said you would rather DraftKings. So is that right for the benefit of our viewers? (laughs) Yes, it is. I'm on DraftKings. And and I realize that both companies are are tough multiples to bite into. But I think the market share and the early leadership that DraftKings has in the online sports betting uh, is makes it the would you rather that you didn't want me to do. Yeah, but here we are. <laughs> Up next, Dollar Tree down yeah. more than 14% this quarter. Steve Grasso, trade it or fade it? Trade it. This one gapped up from 93 back in uh, in November. It's a must-hold at this area right here, 96.50, 97. Piper Sandler said that they were worried about inflation, saying that that was going to eat away at margins. I don't really see out-of-control inflation, so I'd be a trader of Dollar Tree. Tim, what do you say? Well, I actually said last block that I like Dollar Tree, and I do like it. So I think there may be some confusion here. I'm a trader of this one. Um, I actually believe that the trend for the entire segment is very, very interesting here. And again, this is a stock that looks to me like it's starting to break out after, you know, basically doing nothing. I, I, I think at some point we're working through the sugar high with the consumer uh, and this segment segment very well positioned and a valuation, uh, at least on a trailing basis, that's quite attractive. All right. Let's get to NVIDIA up a whopping 42 percent this quarter. Karen, trade it or fade it? I would have to fade it, and it's entirely on valuation. I mean, you know, so many lines of the business are doing fantastically well. I feel like that is already priced in. It is priced for perfection. They've been delivering perfection, which doesn't really leave much room for downside if the slightest little thing goes wrong or expectations are just a tad too high. That is the only reason. Fade it. Delano, trade it or fade it? I would trade it. You know, I agree with Karen that you're paying, you know, paying a premium here at 90 times earnings. But I think, you know, as mentioned, the business is doing so well. And what you're seeing is the tailwinds with their gaming, their gaming business, tailwinds with their data set area in the business. And I think this is an area where you still ride that high. There's still a little bit more upside. All right. Coming up, shares of Virgin Galactic going interstellar today. We're digging into the headlines that led the space stock to its best day ever. And stick around at seven o'clock. The news with Shepard Smith is live in Florida tonight. Chef will have the latest on that devastating building collapse. 7 p.m. Eastern Time right here on CNBC. Fast Money, the time is back in two. Welcome back to Fast Money. Virgin Galactic topping the tape today, posting its best day ever. Shares soaring 39% after the FAA approved a license for its passengers, um, for it to fly passengers into space. The stock just slightly below all-time highs hit in February. Steve, you have been in this stock. Before. I am Are you it. currently? I'm 80% long of my original position. I sold 20% on the way down. I thought it was over. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't think management did, did a very good job of communicating through all of the delays that they've recently had. So there's a couple of reasons why this is trading higher. Short interest, number one. Number two, Bezos auctioned off that seat sitting next to him, and it went for $28 million. Uh, Virgin Galactic thinks that they want to charge 200 to 250000 So if they could charge more, then obviously the stock is worth more. So that's the second reason. Third reason is people are so pent up for a limited amount of space stocks. 
This is one of what, four that are out there? And, and this is really the only tradable one right now. So I'm staying long the stock because I think what happened today can happen again in the future. So I'm staying long for now, but I wasn't happy with management over the last year. Yeah. Delano, um, you wouldn't be long. Why? <laughs> no. Listen, I'm still trying to figure out what's going on on Earth. and I'm not ready for what's going on <laughs> out in space right now. Um, and this is one that I, I missed out on. You know, the, the, during the run up in January, February, um, I, that was just too, too high of a price for me to pay at that time. So I missed out on that run. And then as it came down, it was a stock that I still, you know, just wasn't sure on. As we mentioned, but, but what was managed doing, scheduling, all these different things that were keeping me out of the stock. Um, and now we ran back up. And, and I think it's still time for me where I wouldn't be paying at, at this price. But uh, as mentioned uh, by Grasso, I think this is a great opportunity for people that are long-term holders and, and see the long-term vision in, in this stock. And I think one of four, you know, you got to pick one of the ones that are going to perform well over that time. Yeah. I mean, and long-term doesn't necessarily mean when space is actually successfully commercialized. It could be a point much earlier than that, Karen. I mean, just the sort of pent-up desire for this. By the rumor, sell the space. Exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> um, could you be persuaded? I think, you know, I'm probably so um, jaded by my own, not lack of desire, <laughs> intense non-desire <laughs> to ever do anything like this. Uh-huh. I always think when seats go for how much, how much is the most I would pay to not have to go. So it's hard for me to really get on board with that business model. I'll leave it to Steve. I I know you want to get Tim in here on this, but really quick, point-to-point travel is the next thing that they should really start to tap into. Right, So point-to-point from New York to London in 90 minutes. And they are for technology. Yeah, that's the that they have. Exactly. They're way ahead on that. That makes the stock go to 100. Well, that might be more persuasive, Guy, for uh, Tim. Tim. For a guy, (laughs) for a guy guy who, (laughs) no, for a guy who's a little bit more value-oriented. Well, yeah, I guess so. And, and I'm like, I'm with Karen on this. Uh, you know, put me on a plane to, to almost anywhere, um, but I have no interest in going to space. Uh, I, I, I think these headlines, which are very company specific, of course, and a 15 percent short interest have a lot to do with this move today. But it was an incredible week for high multiple, high momentum, FOMO, whether it was software, whether it was EV, whether it was cannabis. I mean, it was that kind of a week. And it's, it, you know, it's just it was appropriate that you got this headline today. The stock trades back up to that 60 level um, and, and really chased out uh, a ton of shorts. So yeah. um, it's a scary headline if you were short this name. Time for the final trade. Let's go around the horn. Delano Sapporo. Yeah, Melissa, I have Square. I would buy here Square. Tim? Part of the story for Delta Airlines on re-rating is that the front of the bus, the more interesting place to travel, I think, um, is starting to fill up. So you're starting to see overseas travel, and I like Delta here. Karen. Yes, FedEx. I think the sell-off on the earnings was just way overdone. Happy to own it here at e-commerce Thursday. Steve Grasso. Viacom, finally working. Bye. That does it for us. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager.